Good evening and welcome to uh, this intro bonus night on answering the question, do all paths lead to God? Uh, intro, as most of you I think know, is a six-week course which looks at the basics of the Christian faith, but we want to put on a few bonus nights to answer questions that we don't get time to do on the course. So do all paths lead to God? It's a big question. Um, it's probably a question, though, in some respects, if we're being honest, we'd rather not ask. I mean, do all paths lead to God? It's one of those awkward questions that, you know, it's, it's potentially very rude. And if you answer it negatively, it's certainly politically incorrect. I remember sitting in a pub in Birmingham with one of my best friends, uh, school friends, Jamie. And he said to me, Steve, <clears throat> I just can't believe Christianity is the only way to God. I said to him, well, what do you, what do you make of a statement like Jesus when he says in John's... 14.6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And he said to me, well, what Jesus meant was I am a way of many ways. I'm one option out of all the different options you can choose. So it doesn't matter which option you choose. There's many options. They all go to, to, you know, to the same God. And then he said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, Steve, how can you be so narrow-minded, arrogant and bigoted to say Christianity and Jesus is the only way to God. And I think that's what many people think when it comes to religion. Look, it doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe what you want. It's probably good to believe in something. But just don't tell other people they're wrong. Just keep it to yourself. Don't go and inflict your views on others. You see, society is delighted for people to believe things. And believe them with passion. We hope it motivates you to go around the world and do all sorts of wonderful things. We hope it changes your life. We hope that you believe it with absolute passion, but just don't tell me about it. Don't inflict your beliefs on me. But of course, we all know it's very difficult for anyone to believe anything passionately and keep it to themselves, to believe it with conviction. You see, this isn't just a sensitive question for the Christian who believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. This is a whopper of a question for anyone who believes anything with conviction in 2010. You see, in our day and age of religious pluralism, it's almost a verbal slap in the face to say this is right and that is wrong. Surely it's much better and more acceptable to believe what one Indian philosopher said. I think his name is Swami Vivekananda. He said, we Hindus believe all religions to be true. The real sin, he said, is to call someone else a sinner. I wonder if that's what you believe today. It doesn't really matter what you believe, just don't tell anyone else. They're wrong. So the classic analogy, there's lots of paths that go up the, the mountain. It doesn't matter what path you're on, they all end up at the top. For you, you might be a Christian and that's true for you. I might be a Buddhist, that's true for me. Muslims believe Islam is true for them. The agnostics and the atheists believe we'll just try and live a good life. Don't harm others, that's good for them. However, it just doesn't work. I mean, how many mountains have you climbed where it doesn't matter what path you take and you end up at the top? Maybe a small hill. You go the wrong path on some mountains, you die. You see, tolerance, the view uh, that all paths lead to God, just doesn't work. For example, if I asked, if I asked three of you to describe my mum, okay? Now, I, know, I, know, I don't think any of you have ever met my mum, but I said, go on, give it your best stab. Imagine her, describe her. One of you might look at me and go, wow, you're fairly lanky and gangly. So I reckon she's six foot two with brown hair and weighs nine stone. I'd say, okay. Another one might say, oh, no, 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 she's five four, grey hair and weighs ten stone. I'd say, okay. 
Another one might say, she's three foot five with luminous purple hair and weighs 20 cents. I'd be saying, careful what you say about my mum. <laughs> but there's one thing we all know. Even though none of you have seen her, the one thing we all know is that you can't all be right. Because the different views you have about my mum contradict each other. My mum can't be six foot two, five foot four, and three foot five at the same time. She can't weigh nine, ten, and twenty stone at the same time. You may think, you may be passionate that my mum has blonde hair. It wouldn't matter if you started meeting every Sunday morning, sang songs about my mother's blonde hair, gave teaching about my mother's blonde hair, raised money, and went around the four corners of the world and persuaded half a billion people that my mum had blonde hair. It doesn't matter how much you believe it, it doesn't matter how many people believe it, what really matters is what colour hair does my mum have. There she is. You can see where I get my good looks. So she has uh, brown hair. You see, the, the problem with the question, do all paths lead to God, is that the various religions, the various systems of belief that people hold, <laughs> contradict each other. They are profoundly different. You see, to, to suggest that all paths lead to God, to be honest, it's a bit naive. Not just naive, it's a bit naughty. And for anyone who knows anything about the major religions, it's actually quite offensive. Take, for example, what the big six world beliefs think about God. If we're all going to the same, you know, if all paths lead to God, what do they actually believe about God? What is the final destination? The three-letter word God is important. Let's start with Christianity. Christians believe that Jesus is God. They also believe that God is one, but God is three. They've got this weird idea called the Trinity. Hindus believe that there are 330 million gods, and it's wrong to say there's only one God. Buddha was an agnostic. If he's right, there may or may not be a God, but we cannot know. Jews, well, they believe that there's only one God and that Jesus is not God. In fact, he's not even the Messiah. Muslims believe there's only one God and that Jesus was just a prophet. In fact, one of the greatest sins you can commit in Islam is to say Jesus was the Son of God. And atheism... The other major system of thought says categorically, there is no God. So you see, the, the different descriptions about my mum cannot all be true, and so the different religions of the world cannot be true, for the same reason, because they contradict each other. Now, as much as I sympathise with the approach to all parties to God, I really do sympathise with it. I studied the Islam A-level. I had 15 brilliant brilliant friends who are all Muslims, they passionately believed it. I sympathise. I wish, in a sense, that the view could be possible. But we do confront a problem, because the major world religions and perspectives contradict each other, so they can't all be true. They can't all lead to the same God. And it doesn't matter how sincere someone might be about their religion, they can be sincerely wrong. No matter how passionate you are, no matter how many people believe the same thing as you, it doesn't mean you're right. Now you might say, okay Steve, you know, we can't harmonise all the different religions, but can't they all have a slice of the truth? A different slice of the same cake? After all, you know, at the core, don't all religions sort of say, you know, love your neighbour, do good to them, don't harm them. But why don't we concentrate on that? They all have a, a slice of the, you know, the same, same cake, but different slices of the truth. It's a bit like the old story of the three blind men who uh, feel the elephant. One feels a trunk and thinks it's a rope. The other feels a leg and thinks it's a tree. Another feels an ear and, think it's a, and thinks it's a fan. In the same way, all the different religions contain some aspect of the tr truth. They're all sincere and they're all in inadequate, but they just explain a portion of the mystery 
of who God is. No one's wrong because truth is relative. Believe what you want to believe. It's your truth, so you believe it. But you see, just as tolerance doesn't work, the view that all paths lead to God or all religions lead to God, so relativism doesn't work, the view that you have your truth and I have my truth. You have your bit of the cake, I have my bit of the cake. You see, the problem, well, the parable gives away the problem. There is an elephant. And the blind men are groping around in the dark. What happens about the one who can see clearly and can see the elephant? The man who sees the elephant sees the truth. He's not groping in the dark. He sees an elephant. And in fact, just to hit the point home, they both shoot themselves in the foot. You see, the people who want to say, all parties to God, they're tolerant. Or the people that say, truth is relative. You believe what you want to believe for you. They shoot themselves in the foot. Because the tolerant people are tolerant of everyone, except those who don't hold the same view as them. And they start to look down and frown. You can't hold exclusive claims. You can't say some people are wrong. So they're tolerant of everyone, except those who don't hold the same view as them. Which is the very problem they have. And what are the people that say, all truth is relative? Well, tell me, is that statement true or not? Because if it's true, then not all truth is relative. And if it's relative, then what you said to me is nonsensical. Now, I'm doing a bit of philosophy with you, but can you see that both tolerance and relativism shoot themselves in the foot? They don't work. You might want them to work, but they just don't work. Fact. So you have to ask the question, which one is true and how do I know? You're forced to ask the question, which person is in the privileged position of not groping in the dark, feeling a trunk or an ear, but sees the elephant clearly? Which one is it? And this is where things get sticky. And this is what people don't like. One of them has to be true. They can't all be true. They can't all have a different slice of the cake. So which one is it? Which one is actually is not groping in the dark, but comes out of the darkness and sees clearly? And this is where I want to introduce you to a very famous person called Jesus Christ, who happens to be at the centre of the Christian faith. He made the outrageous claim that, as I was sharing with my friend in the pub in Birmingham, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. What he's saying is, you might not believe it, what he's saying is, the guessing is over, there's no more groping in the dark, you're in the light with me. And I think he makes this claim and backs it up like no other religion or world leader has ever done. Let's have a look at a story. He says there's no more guessing. It's John 14. Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. You see the atmosphere in that upper room, Jesus is having his last ever meal with his disciples. It would have been a tense atmosphere. Because Jesus has just said, one of you is going to betray me, and I'm off. So you can imagine the tension, his 12 best friends and Jesus. He says, one of you is going to betray me, and I'm leaving. You can imagine they were troubled. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. It's interesting that he seems to put himself on a par with God. You trust in God, but you also trust in me. He's putting himself on a par with God. So why are they to keep on trusting him when he's off? Why are they to keep on trusting him? In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Uh, I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem that clear to me what Jesus is on about. He's talking pretty metaphorically. 
And I imagine the disciples are an emotional wreck anyway, so they're not really seeing things or hearing things clearly. So Thomas, I imagine as a spokesperson of the rest of them, pipes up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I Stop speaking in riddles, Jesus. Tell me what you mean clearly. And then in verse 6, we get this outrageous, and it's an exclusive claim to match all exclusive claims. Jesus answered, you want to hear it clearly, Thomas? You want me to stop speaking in riddles? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father <coughs> except through me. You see, Jesus has been saying in verses 2 to 4, I'm going, and I'm going to my Father's house to prepare a room so that you can come to be with me, but you can only come to be with me if you know me, because I'm the only way to the Father. And Jesus continues in verse 7. He says, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. And now it's Philip's turn to miss a trip and sort of feel a bit behind. What's going on, Jesus? So Philip said, Lord, show us a Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So firstly... Jesus is saying, the search is over. If you want to get to God, it's by me. And secondly, he's saying, the guessing is over. If you want to know what God looks like, what God thinks, what God does, what God is like, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. (coughs) Now here's the question. Why should we believe him? Why should we believe Jesus? What makes him more reliable than Buddha or Muhammad or anyone else? Look at verse 10. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe him when I say to you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Why should we believe what Jesus says? Why should we believe that he is the way to God? Why should we believe him when there's so many options out there? Because 2,000 years ago... In a place called Bethlehem, God stepped down into time and said, Here I am, have a look at me. He showed us himself, he showed us his miracles. And we have accurate, historical, reliable documents which tell us so. Who else could this be that performs such miracles? Jesus is urging Philip, he's urging Thomas, he's urging you and me. He says, Who do you think I am? Do you not see my miracles? Who could I be? Who else makes deaf people hear, blind people see, lame people walk? Who else calms a storm? Who else can raise Lazarus from the dead? Just a few chapters earlier in John chapter 11. Who else could it be? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And at the end of John's Gospel, he tells us why he wrote the book. In chapter 20, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presences of disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are recorded, the ones I've shown you, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now you might be sitting there today going, come on Steve, no one really believes this stuff. Well, you must check it out. You must check out, you must do your homework, because he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and if you know me, you can go to God, because only through me. He says, check me out, the guessing is over, the search is over, come to me. The claim of Christianity 
is a claim of Jesus and it is an exclusive claim let me end with this though it's a thought provoker for me finish you may say look Muhammad, Buddha, whoever they're pretty special people they're, their teaching makes sense to me I want to follow them, I believe them here's the problem you have no way, I say this gently but I do want you to feel the force of this you have no way of knowing whether what they're saying is true or not. You have no way to check it out. Of all the perspectives, Christianity is the only one based upon recorded events in history. It's the only one open to investigation. It doesn't make it true, but it means it opens itself up to scrutiny. It leaves itself open to examination. As I put here, it's the only religion open to verification. What do you mean by that? Hi guys, come in. Well, let me uh, put it like this. I'm going to use a real life example from my friend of mine, who uh, a guy called Murray. He was doing, um, he was living with me and my wife Leanne. He was a, uh, he's, he's an atheist, a self-declared atheist, and he's uh, got a doctorate in geology from this university. And he's a great friend of mine. I'm, uh, he's back over in Canada. He's from Canada. But one day we were driving home from work, and he was in the car with me. And uh, we were discussing some of these big questions of life. And he said to me, Steve, I like discussing religion and philosophy and ideas like that. So I wanted to be provocative. I said, that's the difference between you and me, Murray. Because although I'm happy to discuss religion and philosophy and ideas, I want to talk about the truth. To which he said, there's no such thing as truth. So I said to him, well, do you believe that statement to be true? And we went around in circles and he thought I was a bit annoying. But we came out and there must be something as truth. If he says there's no such thing as truth, he's being self-defeating. So I said, you know what, and I believe Jesus is the truth. And I went to John 14, just like I've showed you guys. And I'll never forget what he said. He hit the nail on the head. He said, I have to admit, it's a bit trickier with Christianity because Jesus gets involved in history. And he crashed the car. He'd said it better than I'd ever said it. Jesus gets involved in history. That's the difference between Christianity and all other religions. And the ultimate proof is not only did he get involved in history, but did he rise again from the dead and did people see him when he was the risen Christ? You see, Christianity is like no other religion because it's the one we worship came into our world, got involved in history. You can check him out. It's verifiable. You can test it. There's a recorded evidence of his life. Every other religion, bar Mormonism and Judaism, which we can talk about if you want, are purely based on thoughts and ideas or revelation that an individualist has, whether Buddha or Muhammad or whoever. It doesn't mean they're wrong. That's not my point. My point is, like any other religion, unlike any other religion, Christianity leaves itself awkwardly vulnerable to the critics. You can prove it or disprove it in a way that you can't any other religion. Why? Because Jesus got involved in history and people saw him and people saw the miracles and people saw what he said and they wrote about it and they said, well, what do you make of him then? And one of those was John and John writes a book about it. Another interesting thing, just on this point, there's only two people, I think, in the history of the world that people have ever tried to worship. You know, so Muhammad, no one ever tried to worship him. People followed him, they didn't try to worship him. You know, he wasn't, you know, the only two people that people have ever tried to worship say, you're so beautiful, you're so magnificent, you're so awesome, there's something, who, not just sort of what are you, who are you? And they try and worship him, is Jesus and Buddha. But Buddha said, 
don't worship me, worship my dharma, which is my doctrine. And Jesus accepted the worship. Not because he needed an ego boost, he was the most humble person ever, but because that was the right response to him. So let me summarise what we've done tonight, and then we'll get into questions. Do all paths lead to God? It's a natural and understandable question, but I think it's a false statement and potentially a very dangerous question. Because first of all, when it's a natural, first of all, all the world religions can't be true. It's naive to think so. It might be nice to think so. It might be easy. We might want it to be true, but they can't be because they contradict each other. Secondly, and we've looked at how pluralism doesn't work, but also relativism, all truth is relative, just doesn't work. And remember, you can be deeply sincere and sincerely wrong. So you must. So, so Jesus says, well, check me out. Who am I? Who do you think I am? Any intellectual person will make sure they've checked him out and are definitely satisfied that he isn't the Christ, the Son of God, because he's the only one that came into history. If it's false, you go back to the drawing board and you've lost nothing. If it's true, well, then it has eternal significance, doesn't it? You see, the one thing you can't say to the question, do all paths lead to God, or the one thing you can't say to the question, who is Jesus, is that it doesn't matter. It really matters. You see, because if it's true, it's dynamite, isn't it? God has stepped down into history and says there's no more guessing, there's no more searching. I'm here, I offer life, fullness of life, eternal life. If it wasn't awkward enough talking about whether all religions lead to God, let me talk about judgment. One day, Jesus says, I'm going to return and I'm going to judge everyone. And then this question, it gets even messier because you're going to have to give an account for how you've lived your life. It's interesting, all the other world religions and worldviews say you need to be good enough to get to God or get to Nirvana or get to whatever salvation or God is. Christianity is the only one where Jesus says, well, God says, I'll come down and live the life you should have lived. I'll die the death you deserve to die, judgment, so I can offer you the gift you don't deserve, forgiveness. Jesus says, I'll come down and I'll do the issue. I'll pay the price for your sins so when judgment day comes, you don't have to fear at all. So Christianity is the only religion where God comes to us. And if you were to really make me say, Steve, why do you believe Christianity is genuinely the only way to God? It's because it's actually that God came to us and rescued us when we're all helpless. None of us could be good enough. None of us could live that. I mean, I can't even live my own standards, let alone God's standards. I can't even go by a day living a perfect life, let alone a whole lifetime. I need God to come to me. So, hopefully that's been thought-provoking. Here are the questions for you to consider. Why do we like... Why would we like all paths to lead to God to be true? Do you agree that tolerance and relativism are actually logically impossible? Do you agree that Christianity is unique because it's the only religion that is verifiable and it's the only religion where God comes to us? Do you think Jesus is the only way to the Father? If so, why? If not, why not? And what about Jesus do you like or dislike? <laughs>